You're listening to audio from The Orchard Church in Collierville, Tennessee. If you would like more information about our church or our ministries, please visit theorchardchurch.com. The church is gathered all over the world today. Some of them are gathered in different circumstances and in different ways, but we're here. And I want you to know that we're glad that you're here. I want you to know that you are loved and that you do matter, that there is nothing that escapes the sight of our God. I want you to know that in Christ, you will find all that you will ever need and that he is sufficient. Somebody asked me, John, it's going to be a weird Sunday. What are you going to preach on? My answer is usually the same, the Bible. And they said, okay, yeah, but are you going to pick a different text? I said, yeah, the next one. Uh, We're in a study on Mark. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse number 21. You say, okay, John, tell us about that. Let me tell you, I believe that the Spirit and the Word will always do their work. I believe that the Word of God is living and active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to divide between joint and marrow and soul and spirit. I believe that it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. I believe that the word makes us like Jesus, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth, John 17, 17. I believe that the true disciples make their home in the word. And so let me just give you a little pastoral exhortation this morning, Orchard family. If you spend more time on Facebook than you do in your Bibles, hope may be a little bit difficult to find. If you spend more time seeking wisdom outside of God's wisdom you may struggle a little bit more to find it. I want you to know that in turbulent times like these, Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, there, he gives this, this story of somebody who built their lives on his word. He who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice will be like the man who built his hell, house upon the rock. And the storms came and beat against the house, but it stood And so I want to encourage you, in these turbulent times, do not forget the simple daily means and weapons of grace that God has given us. He has given us his word. Take, read, savor the goodness, pray. Look to Jesus, the author, perfecter, and champion of our faith. Do not lose heart in doing good. Do not forget who you are. When things come and things change, remember there is one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you find yourself asking questions about where has God gone, remember he's still on his throne right where he has always been, where he will always be until he consummates all things at the end of the age. Give yourselves to Jesus. And in a time like this, when so many are asking a lot of questions, when faced with the reality of our own mortality and the fact that we will not live forever, tell people that Jesus matters and that he rescues sinners. Share his goodness. Tell them that he is good. Tell them stories. Tell them the story of how he changed you. We're in this storytelling king part of Mark. Pastor Sam led us through this. He began to tell these parables, and he told this parable of the soils, and then he explained it, and Jesus would use stories. He would use parables taken from the simple, mundane, everyday life existence of the people, farmers and crops, managers, servants, 
Over and over, he would tell these stories, but these stories were pointing to a greater reality. He would use these stories sometimes to tease, sometimes to tantalize, but sometimes to test. Because he asked over and over and over, who has ears to hear this? And when you ask this question, most people would say, well, I have ears. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we hear things. At my house, I've been married almost 26 years. And my wife will say things to me like, John, I need you to listen with your eyes. The implication is that sometimes I don't hear very well. And I'll go ahead and confess my sin. That is a true statement. And I am often guilty of that. And so I kind of picture Jesus in this saying, John, listen with your eyes. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as he walks these things out, he continues. And these parables were actually used for things that, for some of us, we have a hard time figuring out why is Jesus dividing people into insiders and outsiders? How is it that Jesus is telling these stories to show that there are some who have ears to hear and the kingdom has been revealed, and yet there are others who are outside and they have ears to hear, but they cannot hear? The disciples are confused by this, so if you ever find yourself reading a parable going, I have no idea what that means, you find yourself in good company. And he continues in this as he walks it through, and he's using these parables, but he wants us to know about a king and a kingdom. And so in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse number 21 and going through verse number 34, he tells us about a lamp. He tells us about seeds growing in a mysterious way, and he talks to us about a mustard seed. Let's stand together this morning. We may honor the reading of God's word. Verse 21 says this, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. May God bless the reading of his word. Receive it as his living word today. You may be seated. So Jesus continues in this, and he says, let's talk about a lamp. 
The disciples are still trying to process what it is that he meant with these soils and how there is this good soil that when the seed germinates there, then fruit is yielded, you know, 30, 60, 100 fold. And he moves and he starts to talk about this lamp. Now, I want you to know in the Gospel of Mark, it is different from the other synoptics. I think in our translations, there is an important word that is missing. You see, in the Gospel of Mark, the definite article is used before lamp. It is not a lamp, it is the lamp. And I think that simple article makes all of the difference in this. Think about the journey that we have been on. As you look at what Christ is doing, what Christ is teaching, he is walking this out. He has demonstrated his authority, his power. He is showing the world that the kingdom has come. And as he comes to this place, whereas the insiders and outsiders are made manifest, he says there is the lamp. And when it comes to the lamp, He says, do you have this lamp so that you could put it under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? And oftentimes when we think about this, we go, of course not. Put it under a basket or under a bed, you may catch the whole thing on fire. Why why is he saying this in a parable? What is the point of this? But when you look at this in its context, this is the lamp. You see, this is about the response of faith to the word of God. And just as God breathed into the sacred writings, which are able to make us wise unto salvation, so too there is a living word that came and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten. Light has come into the world, and the darkness cannot overcome it. In him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. Jesus would say, I am the light of the world, and whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness. As he takes and gives us this parable, there is an unbelievable thing that's taking place in history. Finally, after 400 years of silence, finally, after God's people wondering Has God forgotten us? God has not only sent a prophet in John the Baptist, but God himself has become like man. Our high priest made like us in every way except one without sin. Suffering every way that we do, and yet without sin. Christ, this lamp, and he has come to reveal and make manifest the reality of this coming kingdom. And he says you have to Pay attention. I think sometimes for us, we may pay attention more to CNN and Fox News than we do God's Word. I fear that sometimes we think the most authoritative thing comes from a laboratory instead of Scripture. I think that sometimes we get to this place to where we believe that God is good and kind And yet, what are the things that we say in private? We see this, and in this lamp and in this revelation, I want you to know Christ is saying, I am this light. I am this lamp. It is to be on a stand. It would go all the way to a stand that we call the cross. But in Christ Jesus, the light of the glory of God revealed to us. This lamp, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. 
listen. Pay attention. And, and he uses this Hebrew idiom. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And many times the way that these things would be written, they were written this way because they wanted to avoid writing the divine name. But the concept is still there for those who are listening and embrace the kingdom and embrace the word as they hold fast to that. God is generous and kind, and his graciousness toward us is limitless. It's amazing to me when you give yourself to God's revealed word, the light. Scripture talks about it. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll take care of this path. And yet for us, sometimes we neglect this means of grace. What a kindness to us. Not only is Jesus the lamp that has shown us the Father, but he has also given us his word. This word, powerful and active. This word, helpful and sure. This word, a weapon against our enemy. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And so he moves and he starts to talk about this parable of a seed growing. He said, uh, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Here we are back to this same concept. This is the concept that he had walked out earlier in chapter 4. A sower goes out to sow and he is scattering seed. And then he talks about these different kinds of soil, and he walks this out for us because he wants us to see that sometimes the kingdom is easy to miss. Sometimes the kingdom is easy to miss. Jesus was a king, but he was certainly a veiled king. He didn't have a crown. He didn't have a palace. He didn't have a royal entourage. Instead of the opulence of what surrounded most royalty, Jesus as a king was surrounded by fishermen, humble people, an upstart rabbi without the right degrees hanging on the wall. He was a veiled king, and sometimes the kingdom was easy to miss. All of these questions when people would say, could he be the Christ, simply dismissed because of what the expectation of what a king in the kingdom is supposed to be. The kingdom can sometimes be easy to miss. Surely, this would be surrounded in different ways. Surely, when it came to the kingdom, it wouldn't be like seeds scattered on the ground. Surely, you wouldn't just go to bed and get up and day after day, the kingdom is at work. I want you to know as you look at this, when you see that seed, that the power is not in the man's sowing the power is not in the cultivation. The power is not in the fertilizer. The power, the power is in the word and the spirit, which will always do their work. The kingdom sometimes is easy to miss. I wonder if in times like these, we're even looking for the kingdom. I wonder if in times like these, we miss simple evidences that God is at work around us. Paul would remind us that it's neither he who plants or waters, but it's God who gives the growth. Think about it in your own life. The kingdom of God at work in you. Many times over the years, I would have 
parents, grandparents, Sunday school teachers, neighbors, friends, people at church, they would sow seeds of the gospel in my life. They would tell me of God's goodness. I remember sitting with Allison's grandmother, and I just love to hear her tell stories because she lived in the 1800s. And at 90-something years old, she could tell me when they went to church on foot and in wagons. She could tell me about the first bathrooms. She could tell me about the Great Depression and World War I and World War II and when they got plumbing and when they got electricity and when she saw her first TV and all of these things. Then I was just amazed. But in all of those things, Nanny Maul, that's what we called her, talked about Jesus. And I'm going to tell you this, she didn't ever miss a senior adult lunch on Thursday in Columbia, Mississippi. She was always there. And this is the way that the seeds of the kingdom are sown to great-grandchildren sitting at her feet, hearing that Jesus was good when they rode in a wagon, that Jesus was good when they didn't have indoor plumbing, that Jesus was good even before the internet. The seeds of the kingdom are being sown. And in this, Jesus wants people to see this seed scattering on the ground. Sometimes the kingdom is easy for us to miss. He says, we just go to sleep. And we rise and go to sleep. And day and night and over and over. I want you to know that sometimes we miss the reality of what God is doing in the mundane, simple grace of the day. In a world where we are looking for fame and popularity and recognition, when we're looking for hashtags and viral trending, pun not intended, when it comes to that place where we seek our own glory and others to acknowledge our greatness, I think sometimes we miss the simple beauty of the kingdom of God at work in homes at a coffee cup in a kitchen when the sun is just beginning to come through the windows and it starts to cascade over pages in a Bible, wrinkled, stained, with ink that is smudged, and the simple reality that a transcendent God is imminently near. We are looking for this great big thing. But could it be that the kingdom is still working through what we would perceive as small, insignificant? Could it be that just walking in the grace that we have for the day is the way that the kingdom advances? Sowing the seeds, going to bed, getting up. It's easy sometimes for us to miss. But the kingdom is always advancing. You, you, the kingdom is always growing whether we see it or not. We have those sayings like you can't watch grass grow. A watched pot will never boil. Sometimes we, we don't recognize that God's kingdom is always advancing. Jesus is supremely confident in the kingdom, and I want you to think about what's happening to him right now. He is in opposition, direct opposition with the religious leaders they have gone so far to accuse him of being in league with Satan. They accuse him of blasphemy. They dismiss him for his simple life. 
and his background. Not only that, the ones who are closest to him, his followers, the disciples, they don't understand the thing he's saying. Jesus, we don't know what you're, what are you talking about? Seeds and soil and all this. We don't get it. Not only that, but his family thinks that he has lost his mind and they have come for an intervention. The end of chapter 3 said that they really believed that he had lost it. And in the face of religious opposition, in the, the reality of confused friends and followers, in the face of a family who thought he had lost it, Jesus is supremely confident in the kingdom. And we should be too. Beloved, the kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is growing. He gives us this picture. The earth produces. Yeah, you can put a seed in the ground. Why is it? What does God do? We don't see everything that happens we know conditions, we know things that will help promote the growth and make it stable and protect it from different things that might assault it, whether pest or disease. But when it comes to it, God is the only thing that makes it grow. And so in this, he says, we just go to bed and we get up and first there's the blade, then there is the ear, then there is full grain. The kingdom is always advancing. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means that the kingdom is advancing regardless of COVID-19. It means that the kingdom is advancing regardless of the stock market. It means that the kingdom is advancing regardless of how many cases show up in Shelby County tomorrow. It means that we can be supremely confident in the kingdom of God because we have a king who cannot fail. This kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in the hearts and lives of his people, this kingdom that is already experienced and still not yet fully realized, Jesus reigns supreme today and he will reign supreme tomorrow. Because there is a truth that cannot change. The kingdom of God will prevail. Jesus gives this hyperbole as a storyteller. He employs these things. And, and to show this juxtaposition, he says, it's a mustard seed. Now, for the mustard seed, this is just like one of those things where you're trying to say, all right, let me show you something so small that becomes so large. I was in a science class one day and I decided that the word of God couldn't be trusted because Jesus lied because a mustard seed is not the, tall, the smallest seed. We, we found something smaller. When you read the scripture, I want you to understand when the Bible says everybody came to Jesus, do you think that was everybody in the whole world or do you think they're making a point about the crowd? When it comes to the mustard seed, do you think we're trying to make a scientific empirical fact, or do you think that there is a connection between the vast difference between something so small becoming something so large? And so he talks about a mustard seed, and everybody's going, boy, those are tiny. And he says, yes, it's true, they're small, but for what can we compare this metaphor, the kingdom of God, and what parable we use, it's like this grain of mustard seed, and it's sown on the ground, and it's so small. But before we realize it, imperceptibly, day after day, it grows a little more, and a little more, and a little more, and Jesus says, before long, we realize it's the largest thing in the garden. Could it be, as Jesus 
reminds us this, that as it continues to grow larger and larger and larger until it is the biggest, we have heard in the Older Testament of an eternal kingdom that's coming, an eternal kingdom that will eclipse all other kingdoms, a son of man the ancient of days. We have heard of a, a, a tree where birds will make their nest. Pictures of how nations will come into this kingdom. Fulfilling all that God told Abraham. Through you all nations will be blessed. In this simple metaphor, something so tiny is so much bigger than we realized. And what are the implications for us? Could it be that in the small, simple means of grace, the king is transforming not only us, but those around us? I want you to know the, the beautiful thing is that God works in tiny details, small things. You have places in your life where you didn't realize what God was doing, and suddenly you turn around one day and uh, it becomes, oh, that's what God has been up to. These, these regular, mundane, ordinary things, and suddenly you wake up one day and see what God has done, and you fall to your knees before the Father, and you say, I had no idea this is what you were working in me. This kingdom of God that must and will and will prevail. Jesus invaded the world, and most people missed it. Jesus conquered every enemy, including the last one, death. And many still miss it. But Jesus Christ has risen victoriously. The first fruits of a resurrection life guaranteed to all who put their faith and trust in him. The reality of what God's kingdom is doing, we may not understand today. We may not think that God's timing is right. We may have questions about everything that's going on around us. But dear ones, make no mistake, King Jesus rules and reigns. And there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All of the promises, every one of them, from the time our first parents fell into sin, the promise that a redeemer would come and crush the enemy, whether it would be a child would be born, whether it would be that he will come from this particular area, whether it would be that he will do this and he will do that over and over and over, the promises, even in silence as it seemed for those 400 years before John the Baptist and Jesus on the scene, the kingdom is always advancing and the kingdom will prevail. And the gates of hell will not stand against it. Nothing is greater than King Jesus, and nothing can thwart his good promises. This proverbial mustard seed means that the small things that you do matter. The simple things that you do matter. When it comes to relationships, when it comes to the strength of families, when it comes to all, all of these things, those things are made up of millions and millions of tiny, tiny things. The kingdom of God is advancing through people like you, embracing the ordinary means of grace, trusting that what Jesus says is true, and in simple Christ-like character revealed to neighbors. 
Similar to Jesus, your light shines before men and the glory goes to God the Father. God is even at work now building his kingdom. Because he's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. He is building his kingdom now, not through entertainment, not with flash or fancy methods, but in the simple obedience by his word, attended by the spirit, working in neighbors around us. The kingdom grows and grows until the day that the Lord comes, puts the sickle in, the harvest is there, and everything is revealed about Jesus. Say, well, okay, John, so what does that mean for me? Here's what it means. Beloved, even when things are hard, Jesus can be trusted. Amen. Even when people are confused and there's opposition, Jesus can be trusted. Even when pandemics break out, Jesus can be trusted. In small seeds, in small ordinary actions, in the means of grace employed each and every day, he is transforming us into something that looks more and more like Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. And when it comes to following Jesus, if ever there was a brilliant time for us to be the church, is it not now? When people gather selfishly, what does it look like to share when people are fearful, what does it look like to say, you know what? He has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and self-control. What does it look like to love neighbor when it's, I'm not sure how close I'm supposed to get? What does it look like for the church to be the church? I think that the time is ripe for us to tell others of Jesus' goodness. I think it is a wonderful time for them to see in your Facebook post that Jesus makes all the difference. What a brilliant time for us to figure out if we have vulnerable neighbors next to us to go shopping for them. What a wonderful way for the church to be the church. Jesus said that when it comes to the king and the kingdom, it's easy to miss, but it's always moving. And it happens even in small things, but it will come to fruition. And if it comes to fruition tomorrow, what do we want to be found doing? Jesus is worth this and 10 more lifetimes. Do not live as people without hope. Do not live as people who believe that they are the victims of their circumstances. We have a king who rules and reigns. He establishes nations, sets their borders. He has put you in this time in history for his glory so that the world can know what he is like, so that the world can see that he is real. Do not grow weary in doing good. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love Jesus more than the news. Give yourself away. Jesus Christ is worth everything. What does it get? What do we gain if we get the whole world and forfeit our soul? When people have fears, bring them comfort. When people have lack, share your goods. But always let the goodness of Jesus Christ, a kind, humble, and gentle king who has conquered everything, 
sovereign, ruling, and reigning in a kingdom advancing that will prevail. Let your soul be comforted. Jesus is king today. He will be king tomorrow. He is king forever. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. God, what a kindness to us in Christ Jesus. How is it that we miss the kingdom so easily? How is it that we fail to see your power and goodness and look to our own strength, our own needs, and fail to see what reality really is? Jesus rules and reigns. God, thank you for this family. Thank you for those gathered here and for those gathered online. Thank you for those who have gathered in other fellowships and in this community. Thank you for all those who bow the knee to King Jesus. And I pray, oh God, that in this time where it seems like secularism in a post-Christian society is all that is taking over, may the kingdom of God be seen in strength and power. May the kingdom and the church militant rise up to say that Jesus makes all the difference. And let us not forget who we are in Christ Jesus. And let us not stop being Christian just because things got hard. Oh, teach me, oh God, I am the weakest and least. Who am I to stand before you and before these people? Oh, my King, you are good. Help our unbelief. Teach us and show us. We are pleading upon your mercy. We beg you in mercy, heal those that are suffering from this virus. Oh, protect our communities and let it not spread. There is nothing that is impossible for you. Our hope is not in a vaccine, it's in a healer. On this day, oh God, the Lord's day, how could we lose faith to the one who conquered even death in the grave? It doesn't have a hold on us. We can't be contained in this life because it's not the one we're made for. And that should change the way we think and live and pray and act. Then I am the slowest of us all. Oh, stir my heart's affection. Oh, teach me your ways. Make me like you, Jesus. If you don't help us, we have nothing. But we know You told us we can come to your throne and you bid us come to the sons and daughters. We don't have to slide in like we don't belong. We can come with confidence. We can plead for help in time of need. And we have a father that there is nothing that is impossible for him. Oh, King Jesus, we have been slow servants. We have been weak servants. But we know that there is mercy and grace, and we know that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Change the way we think. Change the way we live. Change the way we speak. Make us more like you. Make us hungry for your kingdom, for your righteousness. Let us feast upon your word. If there are moments added to our day that we don't normally have, let us not waste those. But teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Help us to live not as unwise, but as wise people as the day approaches. Help us to speak of the goodness of Jesus. Oh, my King, would you for your own glory and for your own namesake, for the good of the kingdom in this community, would you rescue and save during these turbulent times? 
Would you give courage to tell neighbor that Jesus matters? Would you change us into something that looks more like Jesus? We are not a people without hope. We are the people of hope. We are weak. We are needy. But in Christ Jesus, we are whole. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Would you bless my family? The family that calls itself the orchard and the family that is all over the world. Would you bless Tokyo right now? Would you open a harvest in that college for the Saunders? Would you continue to move in Marseille? God, would you remind us that while we get so caught up in what's happening just here in the 901, that you are a global king and there is a cosmic purpose and that you are always working, always working, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, you're always working. Oh, Jesus, we love you and we want to love you more. So to that end, we give ourselves in glad surrender and pray these things. In the name of our coming King. Amen. You're listening to audio from the Orchard Church in Collierville, Tennessee. If you would like more information about our church or our ministries, please visit theorchardchurch.com.